In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hello, and welcome to the SUP Daily Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn my Slack off. Every, every day at noon on the dot, everyone's like, Amanda, Amanda, Amanda. <laughs> it's like everyone's done with their morning things. And I'm like, Get, leave me alone. Okay. Sorry. Keep it in, Sean. <laughs> leave, leave it in. Tell the people to leave me alone. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bad crazy. Ah! You're the pop- it's alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup podcast america hello and welcome to the sub daily podcast i'm amanda duberman and i'm elise morales and the betcha sub podcast is your daily rundown of what's going on in the news brought to you by your two funniest friends which is us let's get into it hey elise what's up oh gosh you know um surviving and thriving (sighs) Uh, as be- as best we can over here. I don't know if you can tell by our Zoom convo, Happening. but thing- things are off the walls. The move, the move is a go. Wait, I feel really. You're a hope poster that's always right behind your shoulder. Like really brings me a lot of ease. I hope that the location <laughs> stays consistent in the new abode. I can't promise exactly where. I guess it's your choice. My hope poster will go. It's definitely. It does feel like an office piece to me. So I think it'll probably be in the in the new office somewhere. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people I, have I, their diplomas. You have your Obama two thousand eight poster. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which I. It's from 08, baby. I got it. Knock, knock, knocking on doors as an 18-year-old, so it go it goes with me um, wherever I go. But I also booked a plane ticket today, which Whoa. feels crazy. Do you uh, have COVID already? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be visiting my family at the end of July, uh, which is interesting. My parents moved to a house. I've never seen it. So I oh, I didn't know you had it. Wow. No, I'm oh, really wow. interested in finding out where they live and seeing, <laughs> seeing my parents' house. Like the reverse, like usually parents, like the kid goes away to college and then they let a couple months go by, give them some space, let them like flee the nest and then you go check back in. I feel like exactly. that's the reverse. You're checking in. Um, it, it's, it's exactly that. And what's been interesting is that, so I'm flying to Texas. They're in Texas. I'm going to see my sister first and my plan to be, you know, ethical and safe is to try to get a COVID test when I get to Austin to make sure that I didn't acquire it in transit or whatever. Number one, it's really hard to figure out what the situation is. I think I can get one. They have drive-thrus there, whatever. And also cases are rising in Texas and people don't wear masks out there. So really I'm more in danger of bringing it back. So I think I'm going to get tested when I get there. And then I'm going to get tested again immediately when I get back. They're going to be your, your urgent care is going to be like, at least you're back. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, Hey, do it. I'll be able that to do the nose great. swab in my yeah. sleep. 
Right. I mean, that sounds like the only way to do it. It does seem like in a lot of areas, the tests are finally plentiful. And if you want one, at least in New York, you are able to get one. I saw a, a, not a long line outside City MD, but like things look like long lines, but they're actually only long lines, air quotes, because they're not letting a lot of people in at once and you stay far apart outside. So it's like, it's not actually a line. It's as if it's like a four person strong line. You're fine. Go yeah, get the test. I'd say definitely call and check if Good you're idea. a New Yorker, like check your local city MD. I waited, I waited a long time, Yeah, but once you're inside the actual facility, it was like zip and I got my okay. results back in a second. And the nose swab oh. itself, like, I mean, it's not my favorite feeling um but honestly and i don't know if any of our uh vagina having reader readers or vagina having listeners feel this but uh i get a pap smear every year yeah there are so worse swabs i can do the, i can do the nose swab yeah, <laughs> totally. i was like honestly my pants are on like my, <laughs> this is <fine>. your feet <laughs> aren't in the stirrups yeah i'm it's like I, swab it up buddy right. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Yeah. I think I'm going to go this week too, because I did, I, I left Manhattan Island for the first time in six months over the weekend. So it's worth it. And it's it. good to just like destigmatize it for yourself. Cause I was so nervous to go. I was like, Oh my God, it's going to hurt. Like, it's going to be so crazy. Good point. It lasts less than one second. It's so, I mean, it's an uncomfortable sensation, but the amount of time is so short that by the time you've registered, like, ah, that's weird. It's already out mm. of your nose. Right. Yeah, and then you're absolutely. just kind of like, you're like, my sinus, like, oh, for like a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, should we get into the news? Let's get into it. Um, Elise, did you hear the president is going to sign an executive order solving racism and unjust policing today? Oh, thank God. Thank I'm you, John. I'm getting so tired of that issue. <laughs> I know. Maybe Kim called him last night and he was like, fine, all right. Fine, fine. Um, yes, today the president will sign an executive order creating a national database of police misconduct. That it will also offer guidelines on de-escalation training and encourage more collaboration between social workers and police officers. Uh, it'll shore up, It'll also encourage departments to shore up mental health resources for responses to mental health-related homelessness, addiction issues. I know yesterday on the pod, they talked a lot about what's been going on with the Rayshard Brooks incident. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a perfect thing perfect. where it's like, maybe we could have had a social worker respond to this and figure out, you know, obviously someone's in a state of distress. They're not like, like do maybe a social right. worker response to Did that. Did you exactly. see that tweet by um, W. Kamau Bell that was like, here's how this could have gone otherwise. Somebody from the department of maybe it's social service or whatever that department's name is where you live is called, like Wendy's calls them, they show up, they say, Mr. Brooks, are you okay? We want to check on you. We have a ride for you. We're going to get you home and we're going to check on you in the morning. That's how yeah. that could have ended. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. And I was actually, um, I was just reading that the Albuquerque Police Department has now instituted, they've created a new force that's called like the Community Safety Force. And it basically is that. And this is an unarmed group that's going to respond to like community-based complaints like homelessness, addiction-related, someone you think they're wandering around on drugs, they seem unsafe. Like we don't need someone with a gun to respond to that person. We need someone with 
health credentials to respond yeah. to and that also person. people in the community and we're going to talk about this in a second when we talk about moves that the nypd made yesterday people in the community know their community members so somebody that might seem very erratic and risky to an officer who has been called that might just be how that community member is known to behave and the community knows that they don't pose a risk you know what i mean like 100 outside so i think that's why the idea of community policing is finally starting to enter the mainstream like you were saying yeah it's really um one of the things and like if you're a person who's at home who's been talking about the defund or abolish the police movements and you've been like trying to think about ways to talk about that that with your family one thing that really struck me as someone who was like not really educated that movement prior to this um is just the idea that we have the police doing too much mm -hmm. and like there are things that a police force can respond to, but it, it doesn't make sense that we have the same person responding to, let's say a noise complaint as would respond to an active shooter. Like that doesn't, right. those two, those are two different jobs. 100%. Two totally different jobs. Right. Not necessary for the like noise complaint person to have a gun at all like that. So anyway, um, obviously I'm not knocking changing and like the reforms specifically that are in this executive order, but ultimately it doesn't really do a lot. Um, it's going to require action from Congress to really create policy that is going to put us on a path to more significant change. It's going to require local change um, from local governments as well, uh, because there's actually, this is one thing where it's like, yeah, your vote does matter because your local government uh, really does have a lot of say in what happens with your police force and how it's constituted. Like, again, look at what Albuquerque just did. We're going to get into some stuff the NYPD is doing. Like, you can you can force change on your, your policing locally in a major way. Um, but speaking of national stuff, uh, Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill are working to push their own separate bills. The Democratic version includes bans on chokeholds and no-knock warrants. Chokehold, obviously, um, has been linked to a number of the very disturbing deaths by police that we've talked about. Eric Garner was a chokehold, obviously. Um, George Floyd wasn't a chokehold, but he was certainly, certainly that's a banned procedure yeah uh, yeah and then a no-knock warrant is what was used in the death of brianna taylor um so far president trump his statements on excessive force have just been um he said he doesn't like chokeholds yeah that's so. it <laughs> i mean that's good i mean honestly I for mean, him something he could like them i i wouldn't put him past to be it, like i love him Love yeah, I he's all of his statements are crazy. He's like, we need to have <laughs> we need to have law and order, but it's got to be it's got to be good. And it's right. and it's got to be right. And and also, you know, we don't need some people. They got to be tough, but it's too tough. And that's what we're talking about. And that's why I have a computer. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Why? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So speaking of police, like we were saying, the NYPD, they had a pretty eventful day yesterday. Um, We were talking about efforts, more efforts towards community policing and looking into what the NYPD did yesterday um, sort of brings into light, well, that's why that's important. According to the NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea, they're going to disband a unit it calls the last chapter of Stop and Frisk. This is a 600-person strong plainclothes anti-crime unit. So what's an anti-crime unit? My, my, the gist to me, it seems, is that these are people in plain clothes, discharged communities they are not part of, to proactively stop crime, anti-crime. So not even necessarily responding to a specific crime, but sort of going into areas where crime is known, TBT, stop and frisk, mm-hmm. and looking for shit to prosecute. Um, yeah. They so going into an area where crime is known and then creating more crimes. Right. And, uh, yeah be known and then and then exactly cycle. right right um so and these officers were as you could imagine involved in some of the most high profile police killings in years i mean they're sent into communities that they don't know much about their main task apparently is to get illegal weapons off of the street so they are going to places where they think illegal weapons are and instigating conflict it seems so this unit the anti-crime unit is the unit that absorbed members of a previous one called the street crime unit after plainclothes officers in that unit shot Amadou Diallo. He was a street vendor. They shot him mm-hmm. 41 times after mistaking his wallet for a gun. Um, so this is exactly how it sounds, like officers who are not dressed as officers shooting a man 40 times for no reason. Uh, yeah. 
Not great. And since a 2018 review of fatal police shootings in the city uh, by The Intercept found that plainclothes anti-crime officers had been involved actually in 31% of fatal shooting incidents since 2000. And like we said, it, that's 600 people involved in 31% of shooting incidents. Yeah. And I mean, it just speaks to like this larger feeling of like menace, I guess, that black people have to live yeah. with in this country where it's like, not only do you have to be on edge if you see a police officer, you also have to be on edge if you see somebody who looks like maybe they could be a cop because who is that person and right. will they will they mistake your wallet for a gun and shoot you 41 times, you know? Like, it's, it, it's, and I think what white people, and I know even certainly myself, are waking up to is that, like, daily feeling of terror and how much that weighs on you. Like so many white people are talking about how like just having been awoken to racism and the, the expansive nature of the problem is causing them burnout now. And it's like, I know. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot too this week, honestly. Like I think that, you know, I've, I've heard and read people say, okay, this is the burnout that people feel all the time. And then it wasn't until I really sort of caught myself wanting to opt out yeah. That I realized that I had I had a choice, um, and yeah, the way that hit me was like very upsetting and unsettling. Yeah, obviously, exactly. And I I went through similar stuff, and like I think the way I reacted to it is be like, okay, you know, I obviously I can't ethically opt opt out of this conversation. I'm not going to do that. But maybe I can change the way my participation in it looks this week. You know, maybe it's less mm -hmm. social media heavy this week, and it's more like watching, reading, whatever, donating, maybe like I do more like actual going to a protest or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I, I've seen some good posts about like, there's all kinds of different ways to do activism. So if you're like a white person, and you're feeling run down by what happens, don't give up, just be like, okay, you know what, this is actually an education week. And then I'll get back to posting resources next week. Like, change it up, yeah. do something different, donate or give your time in a different way. Do be like this week, I'm not posting shit on social media, but I am going to call my city representative and I'm going to send this many emails about Breonna Taylor. Like you can change up what you're doing and like honor the anxiety you're feeling while not being like, I'm done being an activist now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Caitlin said on, on this show, like pace yourself for long-term activism, pace yourself mm -hmm. as you would in any way of your life. Like all that productivity porn we've all seen for the past like five years, apply it to this, like <laughs> break up, break it up into little bits of things you could do bit by bit. So you don't feel so overwhelmed. So you're not like, like you were saying, choose what you're going to do over a certain period of time, because there are so many options and mm -hmm. Black people have literally spent the past, like their entire lives and centuries giving us resources and they are all there. And for yes. people that are just discovering them, that can be really overwhelming. But the point is that like nobody's asking you to, to cram for the test. Like this is long term. Yeah. Nobody's asking you to cram for the test. I love Nobody. that. We would never. Um, so here's kind of a story like I was talking about before that illustrates why sending sort of these new units of strangers who are trigger heavy, happy into communities, specifically communities of color. So a 35, a 34-year-old man named Sahid Vassal lived in Brooklyn, and he was known to, in the community to struggle with mental health issues that could cause him to be a little bit erratic, a little idiosyncratic. If you've lived in a big city or any city, we all have community members like this. And yeah. 
people hopefully watch over them and know them and know when they're doing okay and maybe know when they are not doing as well and need some help. But the patrol officers who generally monitored that area, they knew this about him and they knew the New York Times described it as his antics. They knew that he wasn't posing a risk when he would behave in a way that was pretty typical for him. Um, but one day, Vassal pointed apparently a metal pipe at plainclothes anti-crime officers, those ones we were talking about before, pretending it was a gun, um, and they shot him dead. Um, which sort of explains why community-minded policing and neighborhood policing and having public safety, having community members take on the role of public safety, or at least have officers who know about the community and know I mean, we're already struggling having this issue with officers using lethal force against mm -hmm. people they just met. Um, it seems like a real lost opportunity not to like restructure public safety in a way that these people are, are more protected. So obviously yeah. this doesn't mean that all plainclothes officers are off of the street. Uh, some will still be out there, especially in the subways. Um, but it does sort of like remove a big group of people who had a reputation as working against the communities that they were uh, employed to protect. Um, and this was connected to stop and frisk, which we know disproportionately targeted black and Hispanic men. Um, and these anti-crime officers had pretty wide latitude to just search and detain people. So they were a pretty antagonistic force, but also within the police, apparently known to be quite an elite one. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there was, you know, whenever you're motivated, it's like, seems like a bad reward structure. Like, let's get people to aspire to do this thing that is really not positive for the communities that they're going to. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, you know, you watch these like documentaries like 13th and like stuff and you see like there is really like a mentality shift that has to happen and a paradigm shift. And like, I think the people who talk about like abolishing the police, what they're really trying to talk about is like, I mean, they're trying to talk about abolishing the police, but like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, let me, let me be clear. But <laughs> Let me be clear. What we mean by abolish they, the police is <laughs> abolish the police. But, but what they're speaking to is that there is like a deep seated issue and mentality that goes through it that leads to like an elite unit being so problematic, et cetera. Right, right. And that one of, I, I heard somebody say on TV this weekend that like the problem is that hashtag restructure public safety is not very sexy. Um, yeah. But that's really what we're saying. Yeah, like defund the police and abolish the police. Those are like such big statements right. that they grab your attention. And then when you look into like the actual things that are being proposed, you're like, oh, that makes right. perfect sense. And actually like, would be amazing in my own community, and I wish that I had that. Um, so for the next stories, we're going to discuss the deaths of three Black people in America. Uh, these stories make reference to suicide. The circumstances surrounding all of these deaths are very upsetting and in some cases graphic. Uh, we're going to be talking about these for the duration of the rest of the show. So if this is going to be upsetting to you, check out, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Yeah, do what you got to do for your mental health always. Yeah. So, our nation is currently mourning the deaths of, er, sorry, I'm going to take that again, Sean, just. <clears throat> so, for our first story, uh, the nation is currently mourning the death of a young Black Lives Matter activist in Tallahassee, Florida, who was found dead on Saturday after she was reported missing shortly after she posted a series of tweets stating that she had been sexually assaulted. Oluwatoyan Salu was an emerging leader in the Tallahassee protest community. There are actually multiple videos of her uh, 
protesting and such uh, following the death of George Floyd. She was active in demonstrations, uh, particularly around Tony McDade, a black trans man who was recently killed in Tallahassee. So an activist, um, I don't know. I, it doesn't matter that someone's beautiful or what, but like if you see pictures of her, she's just like so young and like, so vibrant, like, full of yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. Like she's just very striking. Like her humanity really strikes you when you watch like these videos of her talking or like even just like the pictures. But I feel like maybe it's, and I felt this way with Brianna Taylor too, but like people who are young and like leave behind a social media presence and seem like someone who I could have in my feed is just like a friend who I knew from high school who's like, Oh, Brianna, Brianna yes. dressed up as a, as a Christmas tree for her holiday Christmas party. That's cute. Or like, oh, like yeah. Toyans at a protest, you know, like it's, they feel yes. those two deaths in particular, are like, I think they struck me in such a way because it, it felt so close to like someone I could know or be my friend. Yeah. And because with, with Toyan, the tweets are such a big part of the story. You had no choice, but to like confront that like mo like days before she disappeared, she was living a very full life. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, expressing it. Brianna Taylor left behind a Twitter account as well. And like, I looked at that one day and it was honestly like, just so sad to see someone someone's day-to-day -day life like it's the same person like it's yeah. the same as me or anybody like you're just tweeting you're going about your day you know it's striking especially it's just striking when somebody tweets or tweet that's something I regularly do and then you see it stops and it shouldn't take that and obviously you understand what death means but it does hit different when you can literally see a person's life come to a screeching halt I mean obviously we so tragically saw that with George Floyd in another way um, so investigators found Toyin's body and that of 75-year-old Victoria Sims on Saturday. Um, according to the Tallahassee Democrat, Salu tweeted that a man had assaulted her that morning. So again, that goes back to the tweets. Uh, she said that a man offered to give her a ride back to church where she had sought refuge because of unjust living conditions. Prior to that, she and friends had police accompany them to a home where she was living um, and says she was being sexually trafficked. Uh, she'd spent some time at the church with friends and a lawyer earlier this month, presumably related to freeing herself from her abusers. Again, this is all information that her friends told the Tallahassee Democrat. Um, so a lot is coming out. At Which the, is a newspaper, not the lone Democrat in Tallahassee. Yeah, it, <laughs> Yeah, this one guy in Tallahassee seems to have a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the Tallahassee Democrat is a, is a publication. Yeah. Um, her friends also said that police officers told them they would need more evidence of this sex trafficking in order to investigate. Uh, not long after... Uh, all of this is when she tweeted that she was assaulted again and then went silent and was missing before she was found this weekend. So she said that she told the police of the assault in this tweet thread. It is not clear if they ever followed up on that. 
Um, at this point, police have arrested 49-year-old Aaron Glee in connection with the murders. Um, we still don't know why or how either victim was killed, and he has not been specifically charged. Um, but again, as we said, uh, Oluwatoyan was active in the Black Lives Matter protests, and we actually just wanted to play a clip of her speaking out earlier this month. Nah, can't nobody silence me. I just want... It's not that all lives don't matter, but right now, our lives matter. Black, Black lives, matter. lives matter. Yes. Black trans lives matter. Yes. Trans lives matter. Yes. Because guess what? We all minorities, but right now, like, let's focus on the person who got killed. Tony McDay was a black trans man. Okay. We're not doing this. We're doing this for him. We're doing this for our brothers and our sisters who got shot. But we're doing this for every black person. Because at the end of the day, I cannot take my fucking skin color off. I mean, it's just oh. very sad. And my heart goes out to her friends and her family. And, you know. There's so the much more to know her. about yeah. what happened here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as, as we've been learning more about these young people, they're, they're obviously teenagers and in their 20s. But also, as this has been happening, if you are interested in true crime, you also probably have noticed that there's a lot of developments in the Madeline McCann story who went missing when she was three or four um, in Europe. She was a daughter of a white family from the UK. And just reading about that and looking about how over more than a decade, people have, multiple countries have spent so much time and money and resources looking for her. And that is how it should be. But to think of how many young black and brown girls in our country or across the world where that has not happened. Just right feels icky and we need to say these we need to say her name and all of their names whenever yeah, we and can 100 percent, and like i mean it just she literally was tweeting like i am being targeted something bad is happening to me and she went to her police she went she asked the police to do the thing that everyone is like well if you abolish the police who's going to do this thing and it's like well they're not doing the thing that's right so, like, exactly right i know Wild. I'm like I said. I'm sure there's a lot more information that's going to come Absolutely. out, and some. It's, she was failed in a lot of ways, and I hope the people that failed her are, are held accountable. Mm -hmm. In the past few weeks, also, the bodies of two black men have been found hanging from trees in Southern California. Police originally ruled each death a suicide. On May 31st, 38-year-old Malcolm Harsh was found dead hanging from a tree near the city library in Victorville, California, which is about 90 minutes from LA. Just 10 days later, 24-year-old Robert Fuller's body was found near City Hall in Palmdale, a city of 150,000, which is just about an hour north of LA. So families of both men are disputing the conclusion that either was a suicide. They believe that their relatives were lynched or murdered. Um, Fuller's family said that he was not experiencing mental health issues, that he was in the prime of his life. Friends say he had things to look forward to, such as a trip to Las Vegas, and was also excited for by the future of the Black Lives Matter movement. Of course, that's not to say people who die by suicide are always very clearly in emotional agony. That's, of course, a common misconception that can put people at risk if they mm -hmm. don't outwardly seem like they are depressed and at risk of, of dying by suicide. Um, but it is important context here that he had plenty to look forward to and he had not sort of displayed any of the, of the signatures or less known um, 
things that tend to preclude somebody dying by suicide. Mm-hmm. So the sheriff's office is now saying they, they don't specifically, they can't say they know specifically what did happen to Fuller amid these protests and people asking questions. Um, at a press conference over the weekend, they said they didn't have any new evidence. Um, they just didn't have evidence of foul play. The medical examiner said himself that given the circumstances surrounding the death and just the demands people are making about you know accountability and full investigation into how black lives end, that more attention needs to be paid and they need to take a closer look because of the circumstances. So more about the circumstances, like we said, uh, Fuller's community specifically did not believe that he was at risk of suicide. Um, I believe Malcolm Hirsch's family has said they don't believe that he ended his own life. Um, And the area where these men died actually has a pretty well-documented history of neo-Nazi groups and skinhead activity. It's also experienced an uptick in hate crimes in recent years. That area doesn't have a great relationship with its sheriff department. Apparently, the Department of Justice actually found it complicit in abetting racial housing discrimination in Palmsdale. So the Attorney General's Office uh, of the state is going to assist in investigating Fuller's death. So is the FBI Civil Rights Division. Honestly, I couldn't find a lot of information about the status of Harsh's death. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe there is something that the police are not saying about that. But for Fuller's, it says that they were basically going to take a closer look at the scene. Um, they were going to take a look at the rope and how it was tied and analyze the backpack to figure out what might have happened that ended his life. These are all things that uh, seems like you should do on day one. Right? It's like, I tie. feel... Yeah, I feel like most episodes of crime shows I watch, they say, let's make sure that a person actually could tie this rope on themselves. So I'm curious why the FBI Civil Rights Division had to get involved for that, but... Yeah, and it just also, it's the kind of thing where you just imagine that's what you do when you find a black man hanging from a tree in public. I mean, anybody, but, like, that seems like an automatic, like, okay, we need to really make sure we know what's happening here. And again, it goes back to the point I was saying before, which is, like, this is the stuff the police should be doing. This is the stuff mm-hmm. they should be focused on. This is what they need to be investigating. We need to have police who are hanging out at the Nazi park and making sure that there aren't Nazis in it. Right. Why don't you dispatch plainclothes anti-crime units to the Nazi park? To the park that has Nazis in it. <laughs> I don't understand why we have the Nazi park at all. Right. But since we know it's there... Let's get some officers in there. <laughs> right. Community policing people. Yeah, exactly. Again, we need more answers. And uh, it looks like with at least one of the deaths that we're going to get them. And I hope that's, that's applied to both of them because, yeah, both there were many protests. And also, I didn't, this happened, this first death, Harsh died on the 31st of May. And it is now mid-June. And this is kind of the first that people are hearing about this over the weekend where it was the first sort of mainstream coverage I saw of this of um, yeah is suspected of being a lynching so hopefully more on that and these these families deserve answers of course and we will keep you posted here mm-hmm. um, all right guys that brings us to the end of our podcast until the return of democracy I'm Elise Morales I'm Amanda Duberman and this is the Betches Sup podcast the Betches Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com.
Betches.